Red Apple Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy-winning journalist Rita Cosby. And welcome to another edition of Protecting America. China's leader Xi and Russian President Vladimir Putin held meetings recently in Moscow where they strengthened their alliance in a big way. So what does this mean for the U.S. and the world order now that this team of U.S. rivals is beefing up their ties on many, many levels? Well, joining us now to discuss this is the great Asia expert Gordon Chang. He is the author of The Coming Collapse of China and The Great U.S.-China Tech War. Also, by the way, his Twitter handle is Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, great to have you here. Thank you so much, Rita. How concerned should we be about this increased alliance? We should be deeply concerned. What we are witnessing is the world order dividing. And on one side, you have Russia, China forming the core of a new axis. They've got their proxies like Iran, North Korea, Algeria. And this really means that the world going forward is going to look like a Cold War. But this one, I think, is going to be far more dangerous. And so everyone should be looking at this and worrying because right now the United States is not acknowledging what's happening. If you can't acknowledge something, you can't deal with it effectively. And that, I think, is the problem. We are seeing disarray among the great democracies, and they are not responding to the events. And that means you have Moscow and Beijing driving events around the world. Where do you see this headed? I fear that we're going to see the worst outcomes. And I believe that there will be war unless something changes. And right now, I don't see anything changing. I think that China is watching very closely the reaction of Washington and NATO capitals to what's occurring. And it's good that we're supplying weapons to Ukraine, but we're not supplying the weapons that they need to win. What we're trying to do is manage the situation. And because of that, this can drag out for a very long time. And if that occurs, Russia could actually prevail. If Russia does prevail, and by that I mean holds on to Ukrainian territory, then Beijing will see that as a big green light to attack Taiwan, Japan, Philippines, India, or some other country. It might even start a conflict with the United States. So at this particular time, we have to be concerned that the world could fall into another global conflict. You know, she also invited Putin to his country. What does that mean? Also, Putin's a war criminal. Yes. And what was really interesting, Rita, is that when they announced uh, that Xi Jinping was going to Moscow, just hours after that, the International Criminal Court announced its arrest warrant for Putin for the deportation of Ukrainian children. And China and Russia had to know that the ICC was going to uh, hand down its arrest warrant, which means that China's going to Moscow is really an expression of support for the genocide and crimes against humanity that Russia is committing in Ukraine. That's an interesting point. You believe it's an endorsement in some ways, or at least turning a blind eye clearly. Yes, and some of the rhetoric afterwards, while Xi Jinping was in Moscow, clearly says that China supports Russia. You know, the Chinese said that uh, they have similar goals with Russia and that Russia and China were standing guard on the world order. Well, those show a closeness 
between the two capitals. And of course, the Chinese know what the Russians have been doing in Ukraine. So that is an endorsement. So how deep are the Chinese and Russian ties? They're very deep at this moment. Now, there are a lot of very smart people in Washington and New York, and indeed around the world, who say that Russia and China will never form an enduring partnership. And I think that they're right, because Moscow and Beijing do have conflicting goals. But that's not the point. We don't really care about the state of Chinese-Russian relations in 2050 or 2060. We care about what these guys are doing now. And right now, we see that they are coordinating their policies. And they've been doing that for quite some time, Rita. I mean, we can go back to the Syrian civil war in 2013, for instance, and see China and Russia working together. We know that they are exercising their militaries together, and they've been doing that for quite some time. And of course, we've witnessed the events of this week with the three-day meeting. Remember that this is the 40th in-person chat that Xi Jinping has had with Vladimir Putin. And to put that into context, Xi Jinping has had one in-person meeting with President Biden, and that was last November at the G20. So Putin and Xi Jinping, they talk together all the time, not just on the phone, but in person. Who's driving the bus? That's a great question. Most people will tell you it's China, but actually I think it's, it's Vladimir Putin because Putin has been bold enough And I think China believes that it cannot let Russia fail. So it is supporting Putin thick and thin. And that means that it's really Putin, the much weaker partner in this relationship, that is the one who is setting the tone because China feels that it has to tag along. So the tag along partner is the far stronger one. That's sort of anomalous, but that's where we are. Talk about also what China's doing to help Russia with Ukraine. You've had some interesting information, Gordon. You have such great sources and great contacts there. What do you believe is happening in terms of the Chinese military? What efforts are they doing to supply already that they're helping Russia with? Yeah, China's support has been across the board. It's been economic, financial, propaganda, diplomatic. But China's also been providing lethal assistance from the beginning of this war. In the beginning of this war, Ukraine was operating Chinese drones, and China was able to supply the location data of the drone operators to Russia so that Russia could take them out. But since that time, China's become much more open. So, for instance, China has been selling drones to the Wagner Group, and that's the private army that has been fighting in Ukraine. Also, there have been a number of reports that almost every day, a Russian AN-124, which is the largest cargo plane in the world, leaves Zhengzhou in central China with ammunition and other high-consumption rate items. We have recently seen spent Chinese ammunition on Ukrainian battlefields, and there was a Chinese-made drone that was brought down about a week or so ago. So it's clear that China is supplying that type of assistance. And this is President Biden's red line. He said that this is a line China could not cross. Well, China's been crossing it for months now, and the Biden administration is unwilling to impose those costs. So I think that Beijing looks at those warnings as hollow and sees that it can, with impunity, support the Russian war effort across the board. How different was it under President Trump? 
The Chinese and the Russians, they looked at Trump, and I think what deterred them was not so much Trump's policies, because some of the things that Trump did actually the Chinese and the Russians liked, but ultimately, neither the Chinese nor the Russians engaged in adventurism like we see now with the Ukraine war, because they knew that Trump was unpredictable. Trump would say things, for instance, to Beijing, and the Chinese, from what we can tell, didn't believe Trump but they weren't sure. And so therefore, they decided not to take on President Trump. They decided not to take on the United States. They decided not to take on the international community. And that showed the genius of Trump policies. We had peace. You got to remember, of course, that Russia took Crimea in 2014 during the Obama administration. There were four years of general quiet in Ukraine while Trump was in the Oval Office. And then in February of last year, Vladimir Putin attacked the rest of Ukraine during President Biden's administration. So we had those four years of calm. And I think that is a testament to the success and the genius of Trump policy. Do these individuals, and I'm referring to, you know, the Xi and Putin, do they only respect strength? Putin and Xi Jinping only respect strength. They do not respect the rules-based international order unless it's backed up with hard power, and that means hard power from the United States. We heard John Kirby this week in a response to a question from Peter Ducey, who asked him, do China and Russia fear the United States? And Admiral Kirby, who is the National Security Council spokesperson, wouldn't answer the question. Well, the answer to the question is no, they don't fear the United States. They are not deterred by the United States. We know that because Vladimir Putin actually attacked Ukraine. And the Chinese have told us, especially since March of 2021, that they are not deterred by the U.S. So we need to reestablish that deterrence, because if we don't, there will be global war. What does it mean, Gordon, that they signed an agreement just recently in the last few days to expand economic ties, Russia and China? Both countries have economies which are in fragile state. I think that when you look at China, they reported 3.0% growth for last year, but probably the economy contracted by 3%. And right now there is a somewhat of a revival in China, but it's far, it is anemic compared to what everybody expected because last year was such a low base. So China's in trouble. And of course, Russia, because of the war is in trouble. They do need each other. They do have complementary economies and they have no fear of the United States. So they said, well, you know, we might as well sign an agreement. The U.S. isn't going to do anything. And that's where we are in this world right now. China and Russia are just have show utter disrespect for the U.S. They'll sign agreements. They'll do all sorts of things. They are working very closely in a partnership. And President Biden doesn't want to acknowledge that. You know, I should mention that the most important thing that Confucius ever said, at least according to, you know, a number of people, is called the rectification of names. Confucius said, you got to call something by the correct name. Well, the United States is not following Confucius's advice. And so we have the Chinese and Russians going ahead and doing whatever they think that they, they want to do, no worrying about what the Biden administration will do which is a big concern, of course, for the U.S. How strong is the Chinese military? Chinese military is, that's a very involved, requires a very involved answer. 
The Chinese military has some weapons that the United States does not have, and that's our fault because we have been asleep. So, for instance, they have uh, hypersonic cruise missiles, which could take out our U.S. Navy surface fleet. But, you know, in general, uh, the Chinese military has a real problem. It has a very poor record in battle. It does very well when it surprise attacks, as it did in June 2020 in Ladakh, in the Himalayas, as they took Indian troops by surprise. But in August of that year, when India counterattacked, the Chinese were in complete disarray, even though the Chinese have a superior military to India's. The problem with the Chinese military is it's a communist military which means that there are two lines of reporting, one political and one military, the political one being far more important, and that's no way to run a war. So although China's military is looks great on paper, I think it's probably not as effective as it appears. And by the way, you can say that of the U.S. military, too. We're not back to the hollow military of the Carter years, but the U.S. military has got great problems, especially the Navy and to a lesser extent, the Air Force. The U.S. Navy is an extremely troubled institution, and I hope that it can fight, but I don't think that we can assume that it will do effectively. Why is it so depleted? It's depleted for a number of reasons. After the Cold War, we had a peace dividend, so we didn't develop weapons that we needed to. So, for instance, these hypersonic missiles. Remember, the U.S. was a leader in hypersonic flight. 1967, the X-15, 6.7 times Mach, speed of sound. But we thought that if we didn't develop these weapons, we could entice the Chinese and Russians not to do so. That was foolish. That's the same thing in space, where our space assets, which we are critically dependent upon, both our military and our civilian spheres. And President Obama's same thing. We're not going to develop space weapons, he said, because we've got more assets in space than anybody else, so we've got more to lose. Well, on paper, that sounded logical, but the problem is that the Chinese and Russians developed space weapons, and they were not deterred by Obama. So we're behind in protecting our assets in space. We could lose most everything we have in the first half hour of a war. So it is political decisions. Plus, also, we've got now a very political military. And we have seen this with comments, for instance, of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley. They're much more concerned, we are told, about climate change than anything else. Remember when President Obama, I'm sorry, President Biden went to England and on his first foreign trip, I believe, and he publicly said that he, Biden, had talked to his senior military officers and asked them what was the most important national security threat. And Biden said, oh, they told me climate change. Well, if they said that, that was only because they knew that Biden demanded that answer. So we have a military which is not prepared to face the challenge that we have, and that's China and Russia. Yeah, climate change is important, But that's not a military task. Climate change is something that we can deal with in other spheres of our government, not the military. Where do you see things headed with Taiwan, especially now as you discuss, you know, our military, Chinese military, and this moment with President Biden? I think Taiwan's future is going to be decided in Ukraine. If Vladimir Putin prevails, then China will see that it can do what it wants in Taiwan. If, however, 
Putin is soundly defeated and that Russian forces are ejected from Ukraine, then I think that Xi Jinping will not only think twice, but probably will not attack Taiwan. So there's a lot that's riding in Eastern Europe. The Ukraine war is, I think, the first war of Cold War II. And it is a superpower proxy war. So a lot of things are going to get decided on the Ukrainian battlefield. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people in the United States who don't know the significance, don't see the significance of the Ukraine war and saying, well, you know, it's just over there. Well, yeah, it is over there. It's not a member of NATO. But the point is that it doesn't matter what we perceive it. What matters is what Russia and China, how they perceive it. And they perceive it as the test of the Western democracies. And so far, we're not doing very well. Finally, Gordon, are you surprised that President Biden hasn't picked up the phone to President Xi? President Biden would love to pick up the phone and talk to Xi Jinping. And we have heard this so many times from senior Biden administration officials. The reason why they have not had that conversation is that Xi Jinping doesn't want to talk to Biden. And I actually believe that it's good that we're not talking to the Chinese, but we shouldn't be trying to talk to Beijing because the Chinese view this dynamic as, you know, they engage in some horrible behavior and then we chase after them to talk. Well, no, we should be imposing costs. We should be deliberately not talking to China, refusing to talk to China to show Beijing that we're serious. But unfortunately, we believe that communication is a good in and of itself. Well, no, communication is a tool. And sometimes it's good to communicate with your adversaries and your enemies, but sometimes it's not. And we have seen, you know, general American foreign policy accepted truths. They sound good to the ear, Rita, but they haven't worked. We've had three decades of truly misguided policies. And right now it has created a disastrous situation which could lead to global conflict. So we need to try something new which is not to say that something new will work, but it is to say it might work because we know that the policies in place in the Biden administration are not working and created this situation which confronts us now. Which is very, very troubling. Well, everybody, be sure to subscribe and share to this podcast. And Gordon Chang, thank you so much for being here again, everybody. The Twitter handle is Gordon G. Chang. He is the best at Asia Issues, I think, anywhere. And Gordon, thank you for everything you do to keep us safe and care so much about American security and world security. Well, thank you, Rita, because you do so much. So it's for me to thank you. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 